0: Thank you for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the emergency medicine podcast recorded at Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing seizure. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello, my name's Jamie. I'm one of the teaching fellows in emergency medicine. Hello, I'm
1: Stephen. I'm one of their uh, SC4s in emergency medicine and I used to be a teaching fellow
0: okay welcome Stephen Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, seizures Uh, seizures as a general topic and um, some of the uh, the management investigation history taking therein Mm -hmm. Um, so suppose start with the the, the simple definition first Stephen Uh, what is a seizure
1: you know you say it, the simple definition. This is the the thing that took me the longest to sort of to actually find out. Well, yeah, and try and decide what actually it, I wanted my simple definition of a seizure to
0: it's be. It's a bit like love. You know it when you see it, but it's hard to define. That's
1: <laughs> no, true, isn't it? And I think I think probably most people have got in their mind an idea of what a seizure looks like. Um, you know, the patient's unconscious. There's some strange shaky movements going on, um, and they're usually a bit sleepy afterwards. Um, I did try and get the sort of the textbook definition down. I looked through the Nice guidelines, the Oxford handbook, uh, our local guidelines. Nothing, not a single definition okay, yeah. in all of those. So I went for I went for you know old reliable Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> a brief episode of signs or symptoms due to abnormal, excessive, or synchronous neuronal activity in the brain. So all right, so your your neurons in your brain firing a bit uh, wildly, um, and the uh, resulting uh, funky movements going on.
0: Okay. The university does not endorse Wikipedia as a, <laughs> a primary source of information or, gathering. Or
1: probably the uh, the word funky movements either. Um, to be, to I did look at where ref- uh, Wikipedia got its definition from and it was from the... Um I think Society Against Epilepsy, which I like. I think if you're going to have a society to name it, again, we are against this disease. There we are not s- for it. We are against epilepsy. The League Against Epilepsy, that's what it was called. So there we go.
0: Against epilepsy.
1: I think it's, it's worth reminding, uh, worth, worth, worth remembering that there are lots of different types of seizure. Mm. Um, so broadly speaking, um, there's generalised seizures. So that's the uh, ones affecting the whole body. Mm. Uh, that includes your yeah, absence seizures. So that's the, particularly in kids. The, they're just sort of unconscious for a moment. Perhaps they're mid-sentence. Se- go blank, come back a few seconds later, not mm-hmm. even aware that it's happened. Um, and then there's the, probably the ones we know the best, uh, the tonic-clonic generalized, mm-hmm. used to be called grand mal seizures. Um, yeah, uh, where you'll, you'll be post ictal for a while afterwards, you'll be a bit sleepy. Uh, then there's the partial seizures, which uh, supposedly it's the electrical activity going on in just one part of the brain. So um, the movements, the, the symptoms will just be one part of the body. Worth remembering, they can be motor, so that's what we'd expect, you know, just one arm twitching, the person might even be conscious during that. Uh, They can also be sensory, so they might see visual um, sort of flashing lights, they might hear things. Mm. Deja vu supposedly uh, can be part of a a Mm. partial sensory seizure.
0: Okay, um, so for th- for purposes of this podcast, we'll we'll focus probably more on those, the, the motor symptoms of a seizure, and, and in particular that uh, generalised tonic-clonic seizure, so yeah. I think that's probably the thing that comes into most people's minds anyway, the yeah. shaking on the floor, the rigid arms, the throttling mouth, tongue biting, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so you know we'll be doing another podcast on collapsed query calls mm-hmm. um but uh f- from this of which seizure can obviously come under um but say you know you're working in A&E uh, the next patient to be seen you've just clicked on and has been booked in as query seizure that's all that the, the clarking says sure. you're on your way over to see them in the bay um it's a resolved seizure, a uh, query seizure. Mm-hmm. You're on your way to see them in the bay. Uh, what's going through your head? What's your approach going to be for that patient?
1: So other than can I sort of find something to do for five minutes until it's another <coughs> patient waiting for the next one to be seen and uh, another unsuspecting SHO has got hold of them? No, yeah. I, I never do that. I'm a professional, um, <laughs> and I'm now a middle grade. Um, uh, so my yeah, my approach in general is that I mean. I, it sounds like a cliche, and it's something I always roll my eyes at when I hear other people say. Um, but I really do think it's uh, it's particularly true of seizures that history and examination is is probably 80, 90 percent of it. Mm. Uh, it's all about finding out exactly what happened. Mm. Um, I think uh, another part of the approach is just to have that s- healthy skepticism in your mind, It's mm. like when you sort of you know rather than just accepting, okay, seizure, right? I'm in my mind. Okay, I'm going through. I'm d- I'm either deciding you know this or that. You don't. Know, it's a case of was this episode even even a seizure? Um, have a differential in your mind. I mean, I, I always think, you know, when people tell you to have have high indexes of suspicion and and uh, don't believe all these things, then I worry that you can get yourself in sort of like tie yourself in knots with a mental straitjacket, just like I can't believe anything. What is he? What even is the nature of reality and stuff? But you know, it's just that idea that okay, was it definitely a seizure? Am I convinced it was a seizure from from the history I'm getting? Um, could it have been some of the other things that I know can. To, to the general public look-like seizures, so things like TIAs, you mentioned syncope, which I'm sure you'll chat more about in query calls, and uh, uh, cardiac syncope, uh, that kind of thing.
0: Mm. And um, I find, so there, the, the, the collateral history is incredibly important mm. to sort of differentiate between, you know, the patient might just say, yeah, I, I blacked out, I'm not sure what happened, mm. and then it's where, was there anybody present with them? And and what did they see? Um, you know, and, and getting away perhaps from words like they were having a seizure. To what did you actually see? What did yeah. they look like? What was going on?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I think um, yeah, people use the word fit. People use the word seizures. Um, it's something that's definitely got into uh, to um, common language. And um, so yeah, just just trying to sort of get people down to what actually happened. What did you physically see? That's mm. a great point. And I think I think you know as you we live in the age of, of, of uh, everyone having mobile phones perhaps even having cameras on their phones mm. so uh, I suspect more and more we might even have uh, have film of the footage mm. of the sort of the, um, the episode if we're, if we're lucky mm. we've got a pressing minded person but definitely you know if, even if they've not come with a person uh, get get a mobile number phone them up and say what did you actually see what actually happened because yeah as we've said 80% history I think in, uh, in seizures.
0: Mm. So I suppose um, with that healthy scepticism in your mind, mm-hmm. um, what are those key questions that you're going to ask, or or if the case of, you know, somebody listening here who's going to be in F1 um, soon, um, you know, if they're working with you, clerking this patient, what are those key questions that you want them to have asked that, that point towards a seizure?
1: Sure. Uh, so the way I think about all these kind of sort of episode something that's happened I think a nice way of breaking down um, what to ask is to think about it in terms of what happened before mm. what happens during uh, and what happened after mm. um, so thinking about before even you know for the last few days have they been ill today or had a fever the last few days have they hit their head just before what were they doing at the time we're thinking about triggers that's often a really important thing in, in epilepsy is what what's triggered the events is it because they've got to the end of the day and they're really tired were they watching TV were they in a the disco with strobe lights you know they, those kind of things uh, do they have any warning signs um, a lot of patients who get seizures will have some kind of oral visual disturbances mm. um, vasovagal syncope sorry to go back to that they uh, they always have a should always have a prodrome I'm very suspicious of any sort of syncope that doesn't have a prodrome and the patients who have no warning signs at all I'm um, starting to think oh, perhaps possibly even a cardiac event um, related to that do they have chest pain or palpitations mm. uh, is this definitely their first episode I mean mm. I'm going to Talk about sort of the known epileptic versus the the person who's not uh, known to have a, a si- have seizures. Um, but I did one pa- one paper I read. Um, had the number at fifty percent of first fits actually of undiagnosed partial seizures. If you sort of go back into it, you know, if you say, have you ever had a kind of a mm. strange feeling, a deja vu, okay. uh, auditory hallucinations, uh, <laughs> or uh, a you know myoclonic uh, myoclonic jerks, you know, where your arm just suddenly flies up out of, mm. uh, out of nowhere. So uh, quite a lot uh, might have had something that they nothing of at the time uh, that that was actually a fit uh so then there's there's during as we said that will probably come from a witness um so did they lose consciousness were they moving what did it look like mm. did the seizure change as it went on um, mm. so perhaps it started in just one arm and then and then developed into a, a full-blown tonic clonic seizure um how long did it last for uh, tongue biting and incontinence i think that's a really useful thing to ask i mean there's not supposed to be one thing that definitely says yes or no to was this a seizure mm. but I'd go with tongue biting as being almost there like if they've bitten their tongue to me yeah most likely to be a seizure if they've been incontinent mm. um, I'm thinking much more likely to be a seizure um, and uh,
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I suppose it's also I- important to remember some things can appear especially to a lay person to be sort of a, a, a like a seizure so mm. um your your patient who may be having a vasovagal, who it maybe is only sat still, sat up, mm-hmm. so they've not collapsed properly. Their brain mm. still may not be perfused properly. They may mm. lose consciousness, and there may be some twitching because there's a degree of cerebral hypoxia. Yeah, and so th- that might mask and, and, and appear as a seizure as opposed to what its true cause is.
1: Yeah, sure. I suspect that you know the tonic clonic will be very rhythmical. It mm. will probably be a lot more prolonged rather than you know the odd twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, I think, really good to sort of really sort of key in on that details like when, when you're saying they were twitching, are we talking about two or three little twitches? Are we mm-hmm. talking about, you know, going for it sort of, you know, in a good minute that if you were actively physically doing that yourself, you would be really, really tired and have muscle fatigues afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we said we've done before, said during and then afterwards. So how long did it take for them to wake up? Um, unless it's an absence seizure, I expect there to be a post period where the patient's confused and drowsy. Um, and that post thing
0: situation. is a very important part of it, isn't it? The yeah. post phase.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and then, have they had, is this genuinely just one seizure? You know, have they had a seizure, stopped seizing for a while, and then had another seizure, which, you know, may all seem like one episode, but I think that's, I'm a, I'm a lot more worried about mm. um, something more sinister going on if I've had two seizures back to back without waking up than if I've had just one very nice, clearly defined
0: episode. Mm. And it's, I suppose, worth remembering that that, that post-ictal phase, um, that confusion following a seizure, mm. can last quite a while, can't it, uh, before full recovery?
1: I'm expecting at least, you know, five, ten minutes, I think, I would mm. say, um, if, it, if it's only a minute or so. You know, and I find that when I'm taking my history from someone who's got a story that makes me think much more uh, of phase vagal syncope... Often they will say they were a bit confused and disorientated after they they came mm. to. So then my follow up questions are on uh, how long did that last? And mm. Again, trying to be open rather than leading, rather than going. But that didn't last more than a minute, did it? <laughs> you know, but, um, so, you know. And if they say, yeah, no, within sort of 30 seconds, I was I was mm. back to normal and I knew where I was um, mm. and uh, I was awake mm. and feeling as I do now, then I'm a bit suspicious. Was this really a seizure? Mm. Um, if you know, if it did take them 10, 20, uh, 10, 20 minutes to wake up. Mm. Uh, and they're always a bit confused, always a bit groggy, mm. only back to normal after 30 minutes, say, then I'm I'm fairly convinced this is probably a, a genuine seizure that I'm dealing
0: Yeah, I mean, these, when I've seen patients presenting like this, they they you know they don't remember the event they felt well then the next thing they know they're in with the ambulance crew or they're with they're here in hospital and the the recollection just isn't there and Mm. um it's you know can be quite a challenging confusion as well that post-ictal phase they could be lashing out trying to sit up you know it's a real difficult period sometimes
1: If you've not had a day where someone's tried to hear you, you've not had a proper rainy shift. So obviously, <laughs> I mean, this, is, this is a big part of the, the, that patient group, isn't it?
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so I mean, those are the sort of questions we get. got. What, what um, key investigations are we going to get for our patient?
1: I don't think that sadly there's not one test that tells me you know mm. this was a seizure, this wasn't a seizure. Um, I think probably the thing that guides most of our investigation is is what could be the cause of the seizure. Um, so I think it's worth having that kind of, um, so we've talked about having a differential diagnosis in your mind, also worth having a, what possible cause might I find for this seizure? And mm. that's probably uh, where your investigations are really gonna uh, kick in to help you. Um, I remember being asked this once in a, an interview for, uh, for, I was actually going for anesthetics at the time, uh, and it, my mind went completely blank, <laughs> and uh, the interviews were just like, okay, so you've said epilepsy, any other causes of seizure at all, and just you know, I was like, oh, I really can't think of anything. So I, I think it's always useful to have a structure in your mind for, for anything, any whenever you're thinking like these through these kind of things, trying to be systematic, trying to mm-hmm. help you for for those moments when your mind does go blank. Uh, I personally use uh, the acronym uh, Vitamin C D E F for uh, a sort of surgical sieve type approach. And mm. um, so, and it doesn't take long to think through for some different causes of seizures there. So fever vascular thinking of strokes so i'm looking at do they have any neurology uh, at, the, at the time uh, infective so i'm thinking of meningitis and encephalitis so obviously my full blood counts can be useful there other inflammatory markers and um, trauma so that a lot of that's going to come from history and examination again and um, but definitely a ct head in that context um, <coughs> if there's autoimmune, I can't really think of any, uh, M for metabolic, so I think that's a really important one. Uh, Uremia is a good cause of seizures, so if they've got an acute uh, kidney injury, they might be uremic and that might be causing the seizures. And glucose. And glucose, yeah. Other electrolyte imbalances, uh, various ac- causes of acidosis, they can all, all cause seizures. So I think use knees, calcium, magnesium, glucose, as you said, ABC, don't ever forget glucose. Mm-hmm. Um, Neoplastic again. That's probably going to come back to the CT head, which I think we're going to chat about later. And mm. see um, for congenital or for cardiac. So an ECG. That's again thinking about some of our diff- having a differential diagnosis. So I'd say everyone who comes in with a seizure needs an ECG just to look for. Uh, any signs that this could be could have been a cardiac arrhythmia, mm. uh, and perhaps any sort of seizure type activity, activity, mm. whether it was a seizure or not, or just some jerking, could be because of uh, brain hypoxia, as you've kind of hinted at earlier.
0: And you're really looking at that ECG, isn't it? It's not just looking for signs of ischemia. You're looking yeah. for the PR interval. You're looking at the QTC, aren't you? Absolutely. You're really uh, interrogating that ECG. Yeah,
1: it does, you you spend you kind of go through phases, don't you? When you first start looking at ECGs, you're nice and systematic. And then yeah. I think you reach a sweet spot where you're just like. I'm looking for ST elevation <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then sadly you start to become a middle grade again and you're, you're not allowed to just look at the natural <laughs> chest leads and see if there's ST elevation you have to start looking through systematically again and I think seizures a good uh, a good when you're thinking of query seizure absolutely as you're saying long and uh, look at take, take the time do it systematically think about what, what kind of things you're looking for prolonged QT's um, PR intervals everything as you have said uh, I think the VBG is very useful um. Also, oh I didn't even get all through. Yeah. So ca- ca- carrying on through my surgery, so, uh, to, um, degenerative. I can't think of anything but endocrine. And um, you might get some initial clues from the metabolic tests. But yeah. we're thinking of a thyroid storm. That was another one I could think of. That's mm. of the cause of seizures, and then functional. That's probably going to come from the history and and seeing the seizure yourself if, if you do.
0: But I would. I would. We we can't diagnose a functional seizure as that's not an ED diagnosis, is it? I absolutely. think that's an and important I, thing to.
1: Absolutely. And you know, yeah. Yeah yeah can't, can't, can't add to that can't, don't it's not our job to diagnose functional seizures I agree Um, I think the VBG is very useful we've talked about glucose most uh, uh, blood gas machines will give you a glucose and um, that rules out the hyperglycemia is a cause of the seizure or as a differential um, and lactate as well is going to be quite useful uh, again not not hundred percent and it depends how soon after the seizure you've mm-hmm. got but if you know if your muscles have been working as hard as they have to for all that tonic-clonic activity, then you'd expect to see a raised lactate. Mm. Um, and,
0: uh, and it can be very raised, can't it? It can be quite alarming. You, you In another patient, you think, this patient's yeah, really poorly.
1: I had 11.7 at the weekend, that's so that was quite a, quite a fun one. That's sporting. But it's also worth thinking rather than just going, ah, oh, raised lactate, it's because of a seizure. You know, we've talked about meningitis, but also mm. even just sepsis in general could be mm. a, a cause of the seizure. So... Uh, don't just kind of write off a raised lactate mm. as, oh, it's just a seizure. Mm. You know, it might be worth repeating. Think about the fever. Do they have any other things that make you think of sepsis? Mm. Um, you know, that lactate could be something else other than the seizure. Mm.
0: And a blood gas will also tell you sodium, won't it? So yep. hyponatremia, yeah. a, a seizure yeah. and low GCS can be can be features of, of hyponatremia, which because its own challenges to, uh, <laughs> to start management of. Okay, so I suppose it, it's kind of all of these tests. You're not going to diagnose an an epileptic cause, but you're looking at the other things. I suppose that it isn't, and the things that you can do something about.
1: I mean, that's worth saying again that you know, I, it's not our job to to diagnose epilepsy in mm. the mm. department in the acute in acute medicine. Um, and I think that's that's important for a number of reasons, not least just because epilepsy is quite a a, a serious diagnosis with serious consequences, mm. and one that I imagine a lot of patients will be quite aware of how sort of the repercussions that can have. Uh, if you're telling, so, you know, if someone asks you, do I have epilepsy or, or, uh, or, um, you know, is wanting to, you're tempted to use the word epilepsy, I try and avoid it, you know, talk about seizures, maybe talk about fits, but, mm. but definitely don't give people the diagnosis of epilepsy. Mm. And NICE is quite clear that that needs to be done by a neurologist, or by mm. someone that specialises in
0: epilepsy. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's always important, I think, to remember the how loaded some of our diagnoses, the stigma attached mm-hmm. to it, and, and also the, the implications. So like you said, so... Uh, um, driving, for instance, being one; certain jobs being another one. Um, so yeah, so um, I suppose we we just need to we need to mention that uh, as well that uh, as part of our seizure history. Yeah. Um, alcohol use is very important, isn't? Yeah, absolutely. Part of your
1: history. Did they are they a heavy drinker? Have they stopped drinking suddenly? You know, mm. that's uh, quite a common cause to to have a seizure. Um, Alcohol levels, if they have, if they have been drinking, always mm-hmm. worth, and always a good thing to do. I think alcohol levels, because you know, rather, you know, you, you you're not just suppose they have got a subdural hematoma and you're just putting everything down to alcohol, mm-hmm. and actually they've got no alcohol in their system. Then I think mm-hmm. if you're into shaky, you know. Then you, at least you, you know not to blame things mm-hmm. on alcohol, and you you know to take sort of their neurology seriously. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's something I quite like to do is do blood alcohol levels, but yeah, as you say, you get that alcohol history. Mm-hmm. Um, suggest high and, uh, and so that they you know say so, so was it was it 30 pints tonight you know, <laughs> yes because so we always like if you, no if you, of course and yeah. 22
0: <laughs> yeah I think um, uh, yeah uh, that it, you cannot yeah. underestimate I think uh, patients who have a high alcohol intake who will go cold turkey mm. and who then present with alcohol seizures it is something mm. I see quite a lot and mm. I'm sure we both see quite mm. a lot in A&E um, and it can can kill, so it's important not to to uh, miss it and, and spot those symptoms of alcohol withdrawal before they get to seizure as well in yep. between. Um, so you know that would be agitation, wouldn't it? Uh, like sweating, agria, fever, mm. Absolutely. hallucinations as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, what? Do, so what do we do if we have our patient who is known to have epilepsy? they've had a witnessed seizure um they've recovered the g c s fifteen they're feeling well mm-hmm. bloods and everything else is fine. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do
1: yeah well, i think I think you've um, you've you started with some of that Jamie that you'd like that you still need to do bloods. So i don't mm. think it's enough to just say, oh epilepsy you know who cares That's, they epileptics have seizures mm. great um i think I think it's still worth doing that e c g doing that v b g doing those uh, mm electrolytes and and your full blood count I don't think I don't and uh, I don't think there's any um, yeah there's any reason not to do those um, I think uh, we're thinking about um, levels and um, so uh, drug levels so what drugs do they take find mm. out what they're taking have they been taking them mm. and then you can do you can uh, most anti-epileptics will you'll be able to, to measure uh, their levels Obviously, it's going to vary around the country. It's worth sort of finding out. You can always ring up your lab and say, you know, I've got this weird antiepileptic I've never heard of. Do you do levels for it? And they'll mm. be able to tell you. I think most uh, hospitals I've worked in will do valproate levels, will do phenytoin levels, will even do levetiracetam, <laughs> um, capra, and lithium, and and lithium. Yeah, I will do do all these levels. So um, so mm. we're thinking about levels. Um, yeah, I mean, if it is a patient with no epilepsy, then I want to know if this is just part of life for them. Have they ended up in hospital because of an over first aider and uh, a vicious uh, paramedic, uh, or am I a bit more worried about them? So, has the seizure pattern changed at all? So it's good to know, like, what what seizure, what how how often do you tend to have seizures? Have mm. you sort of, you know, they've, I've not had a seizure for two years, but suddenly I've had five in the last week. Mm. You know, that's someone I'm a bit worried about. If it's someone who says, yeah, I have them probably like two or three times a month, and this is my second. Uh, this month, then I'm I'm less worried. Mm. Um, are they becoming more frequent? Have they taken their medication? Um, I'd say I was t- generally speaking, if someone's had more than one seizure a day, unless they can really convince me that this is their normal pattern, perhaps they've even got a neurology letter that says, yes, it's quite normal for this person to have. A, mm. um, more than one season a day then I want to admit them or at least speak to a neurologist about them
0: mm. I suppose I think that's that's uh, great advice really I think for um, it's something I say to my students for think all chronic conditions so whether it's epilepsy, asthma uh angina you know how is it normal for you everybody's is different mm. and you know is this how it is always for you mm. versus how, you know is there a change and how has it changed and um, I think you know you spot on with talking about compliance you know are you taking your medicines have the medicines been changed recently as well and then has that led to a deterioration um, I think also um, certainly something I've um, I've encountered some of my patients is is um, never underestimate the the con- um, the interactions with other medicines so sure. have they been started on something else by a gp an antibiotic for example yeah. and then when you look on the bnf it says lowers seizure threshold and yeah. things like that so yeah. that's always worth looking at as well any enzyme inhibitors that might mm. uh, increase your metabolism mm. with, uh, some of your mm. yeah. and i think some infections can as well lower the threshold so as you said it's all part of that excellent okay um i think it also um it's a, it's a great chance to get the patient on side. I mm. think patients, especially with
1: patients with chronic conditions, love to be treated as experts in their own mm. condition. I think as soon as they come across someone who's just like, oh, right, you know, oh yeah, I know, I know about this, I'm not going to mm. listen to you, then they, they start to get quite upset. Whereas if you're sort of, you know, not only is it useful for your own history, you're getting the patient on side, mm. uh, which uh, can't be underestimated
0: okay um so that's for our patients who are known to have epilepsy sure. what if you know you've got a young chap in front of you a student from the university not from around here um and has had their first seizure and um their friends have taken a f- footage of it on the phone you're quite happy it looks like it looks like a seizure yeah what are we going to do f- so for same approach as, as yeah. for our other ones we've covered all of that but what are we then going to do differently
1: sure um so uh like I say we're, we're looking for an underlying cause Um, again one of uh, one paper I looked at 30% uh, gave the number 30% of, uh, of seizures having an underlying cause Um, mm-hmm. we mentioned before about um, you know really going into that di- previous history is there anything that they've experienced before that could have been uh, a seizure maybe even a partial seizure Um, if it is a convincing story for a seizure it's their first seizure they're well they've got family support I think that's a really important thing social history you know um. I'm fairly scared to send home someone who's you know not really got any social support network and lives on their own mm. and uh, I'm, I'm pretty I, d- I don't really want to send them home you know what if they have another seizure at home in the shower or something horrible like that um, But if they've got family support they can probably go home uh, and most hospitals will have uh, arrangements for patients with first fits to see a neurologist mm. uh, so at this point nice guidelines is pretty vague it says they should see a neurologist as soon as possible uh, which I think allows for like local um, services to, to design um, how they want to, to implement that uh, as they sort of are best able um, so here at NUH um, there's an online referral form mm. for a for first fit clinic I think that's probably the most common one I've, I've come across in the different hospitals I've worked in will be a, a first fit clinic and a way of, uh, of referring to that whether that's a, an online form or a phone call or a fax a, a referral form to a particular number, worth working out what your local uh, guidelines are but they're, they're basic rule is that first, someone with a first seizure needs to see a neurologist uh, as soon, as, uh, well, relatively soon. Mm-hmm. Not so they need to be admitted, but they do need to, to have some kind of follow-up and they need to see a neurologist. Um, again, local guidelines vary. They might want you to order um, some imaging or an EEG possibly before they get to clinic. So again, like I say, worth being familiar with your own with local guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, also worth before they go home, I think I, I try and go through some first aid with any relatives. Um, there's quite a lot of online resources, even if you don't have local hospital ones that it, it can give to relatives Is sort of what to do if your, relative, if your friend or your, your family member's having a seizure, going through some of that first aid with them. Uh, I, th- I definitely think that's worth doing. And again, that's part of a nice guidelines on such and mm. to, to go through first aid.
0: And uh, those nice guidelines we're talking about are uh, CG one three seven, and um, updated
1: uh, February two thousand sixteen. Indeed, <laughs> uh,
0: um, I'll put the link to that on on our Twitter and Facebook pages uh, for those of you to. I think to the
1: full guideline is six hundred and thirty two pages long, yeah. In the I'd, variety I'd, I'd select just the, yeah. the, the, the key
0: guidance, I think, on that one.
1: There's a nice pathway as well, which is on mm. the again on the nice website, and mm. I found that a lot easier to navigate around, and it kind of mm. helps you to bypass some of the stuff that's either irrelevant to your situation mm. or. or looking more specialist knowledge. Brilliant.
0: I mean, uh, this is very specific for, for here at, uh, at NUH, um, but um, the, the online referral kit, the tool for referring for first seizure clinic it, is very useful in that it, it also goes through some other key other differentials that you need to rule out. So it mentions, are they fully back to normal? Yeah. Uh, was there a head injury? What's their QTC like? Um, what, I, um, you know, Was there any lactic acidosis? So it's making you know, and I think those things. Just keep in my head. I think even if it wasn't at this trust, to think forward, just to make sure you're happy, and that as you sort of you know, make sure you've not labelled that patient too prematurely, and that you're happy. Sure.
1: I think the other thing I'd say, uh, my other piece of advice would be, don't be scared of phoning a neurologist. I mean, Mm. if it is just uh, the most simple first seizure ever, and the neurologist is going to say, well, you know, yeah, just first pick, I think, you know, at least you've got a neurologist saying that, and I don't, I don't. I, th- I think it'd be a very unusual neurologist that wouldn't want to, to receive any sort of phone calls about seizures ever. You know, they're neurologists, <laughs> they're interested in these things. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think that um, that first aid advice is, is quite important as well uh, in, in, in terms of, you know, this is, this is what to do uh, and uh, try and avoid certain situations. I always mention swimming. <laughs> Uh, I've mentioned the bath as well, uh, so potential you know, drowning scenarios in there, and driving as well. Um, unfortunately, uh, not to drive until they've had that neurology follow-up, um, yeah. which I, I think you, know, you have to be empathetic with, I think certainly I would be very upset if somebody told me I yeah. couldn't drive, um, and I think we, sometimes we need to make sure we properly invest in that time with these yeah. patients.
1: I mean, there's a good chance that uh, that they won't have epilepsy. Mm. Um, supposedly, if we all live to 80, then 10% of us will have had have a seizure during our life, uh, and only 3% of us will actually turn out to have epilepsy.
0: So if those are good going. numbers to quote, aren't they? Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you know, I just. Uh I like to have them written on my arm <laughs> when I'm doing podcasts.
0: <laughs> so that so that's our patients who are all well, all is well in the world. You know, GCS fifteen, and, and we're quite happy. Okay, so uh, you know, you were a teaching fellow. You're now uh, resus, uh, You're now a registrar so part of that role. You are in recess. I'm still in
1: denial about this whole registrar
0: thing. <laughs> you you do marvelously. Um, so you're in recess, and the red phone goes off. So this is yeah. the this is the phone from uh, from the ambulance crew bringing in a patient. Um, or, you know, you're a registrar on, on, a, on a medical ward and, and the crash bleep has, has been called, yeah. and um, a patient is having a seizure, and they are actively having a seizure. Yeah. And this patient is brought into resource, or they're there on the ward, wherever you are, and they are seizing in front of you. So what's, uh, what approach are you going to have?
1: Well, I think if you can keep a cool head in this situation, Jamie, you're, uh, you're doing better than most healthcare professionals that I have worked with or have seen in the, in the past. I don't know what it's about seizures. I think it's just the fact that they're kind of immediate and active, and you feel, gosh, I've really got to do something mm-hmm. now. And I think that puts a, you know, really puts uh, puts the fear into people. I remember being an L- I when I was doing my ITU uh, um, stint. I, I went to a, a, a call, just as you've described on a ward with a patient who was who was fitting, you know, being ITU, we went for coffee first and got there about 15 minutes into the fit, hoping that everything would have been sorted. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we arrived on the fit and there they they were a good sort of, there was uh, the two med regs, there was uh, a, a two SHOs, at least one of whom I knew quite well and I knew had, had paces. Um, so, so a lot of senior medics around and yet no one really seemed to have control of the situation and, and no one really seemed to be sure of what they're doing. So... Uh, you know, it's worth saying that it is a sort of a scary thing, and mm. you know, if you do feel a bit scared with sort of having someone sees in front of you, it doesn't mean you're you're a bad doctor. I think that's 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 true for for all of us. Um, so I think you know, just take your time, take a breath. You know, and 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 try and think logically about it. Now, A to E. Can never really go wrong. Slightly more difficult with a seizure, I think, because you get as far as A, and you're like, "Gosh, their teeth are clamped shut. There's blood coming from their mouth, and their mm. foam, you know,
0: like,
1: what do I do there? I can't even hold their airway open." Um, but you know, that's not. To, I think you, I think you you can you can still do quite a lot. You can put oxygen on. Mm. You can sort of try and make sure that you're happy that they are getting some air around entry in, mm. um, and you can call in an Eustis if you. Um, if early if you sort of if you are worried about their airway and just remember simple things you know so just standing there sitting there and just trying to do your best to, to hold their airway open a um, mm. good idea to get them on their side in case they're vomiting i think mm. that's, a, that's a good call
0: you could try an, an mpa airway if, if yeah. you, you can't get the mouth open or yeah obviously yeah. in mean, the absence of head injury obviously but yeah yeah, yeah. and you i know. think uh, it's sorry uh, but uh there will be tends to be a degree of cyanosis in in patients with, yes. a, with a, having a big seizure so it's yeah. to, to be expected that you you will see a, yeah. that cyanosis until you start that oxygen
1: if you get them on their side put an oxygen mask on think about an acaryngel airway i think you've done probably better than a, a lot of healthcare professionals that, that i've seen so try and keep the cool head take a breath focus on the airway yeah i, I think think you've done an awful lot there okay. another top tip i've got i've got uh, something actually uh, a nursing colleague uh, used to do and uh, something i've taken on just because it's found kind of very useful start a timer there's timers on a lot of our monitors most of us have i have uh, smartphones in our pockets start a timer. on that so useful to know how long the seizure's been going on for you know that's that's such a key detail it's, it's something you know from when you're taking your own history mm. um and yet you realize just you know when you're in a panic that time seems to really sort of you don't slow down you don't know how long it's you know how long you've actually been there seizing so if you've got that objective oh right so they've only been seizing for two minutes it feels like an eternity but <laughs> actually it's only, it's only two minutes uh, then you know that, that's that's a really useful thing to know Um actually, start thinking ahead um, um, so uh, what are you going to need after after five minutes I think that's probably the right time to be thinking about drugs and um, so in the sort of time running up to five minutes you can you know most most likely the seizure will finish but why not start getting um, the benzodiazepines ready, get the lorazepam no. ready if they've got IV access, try and get IV access if they don't have IV access. Mm. This has been done and someone in a moving target, yeah, around, but, you know, that's what we're that's what we're emergency <laughs> medics and the acute medics for, Jamie, That's uh, this week. Absolutely, we like to make things difficult for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, a two-man job to try and uh, cannulate a season
0: paper. <laughs> Uh, and so, so you mentioned the, so five minutes and then it's benzodiazepine the, 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 uh, the core sort of area we're going to go on uh, for treatment there
1: yeah absolutely so um, ivularizopam is the best and you know hopefully we're, we're in, a, in a hospital we've got well I've had the chance to get the uh, IV access if it really is a struggle or if you're in the community um, then the options are uh, PR diazepam 10 milligrams, or uh, buccalmedazolam uh, and they usually come in pre-prepared and um, things that you don't even have to remember the dose necessarily but it's usually three milligrams
0: mm. Okay um, Okay, so I, mean, I suppose it's important to remember that the vast majority will spontaneously terminate themselves Absolutely. without you needing uh, pharmacological um, assistance in that yep. Okay um, So that's sort of the the acute management of, of somebody having an active seizure in front of us, and so so then we come on to a, an, another phenomenon that I think you know might come up in exams uh, mm-hmm. and is important to, to think about, and that's um, status epilepticus. You point out
1: you have no inside knowledge of what's coming up in
0: exams. <laughs> <laughs> I have no knowledge of what's coming up in the <laughs> exam, but um, yeah, s- is, is is yeah status epilepticus. You know what is it, uh, and and what do we do about it?
1: Sure. Um.
0: Again talks about
1: um seizures being scary you know a first seizure that carries on going is, is is even more scary uh so s- definition of status epilepticus is, is basically a prolonged seizure uh different places give different sort of time limits on it and uh, most of the ones i read said five minutes anything longer than five minutes i've mm. come across people talking about half an hour before so uh, i'd yeah that <laughs> seems long you're, to me you're a brave person to yeah, sort of yeah. be like no it's just a seizure at 27 uh, minutes but uh, yeah, so I think any, any kind of prolonged seizure. Also worth remembering that it's, it's also any two seizures where mm. you don't wake up in between. So yeah. That's the, that
0: fits the definition of status. So that's like that post phase again, that history. If it's happened before you're coming in, you know, was there full recovery in between yeah. or, or no recovery? Absolutely. No. Um, so, so, you know, what's uh, what's the mainstay of treatment in such a patient then?
1: Uh, sure. So it's, uh, for most part, it's just the same as a seizure. You're trying to hold open the airway, simple airway manoeuvres I think, uh, applying the oxygen, getting the IV access, getting your drugs ready, starting the timer. <laughs> <Top> <laughs> tip. Uh, I think if uh, emergency medicine or acute medicine is going to be your thing, then I'd suggest it's worth knowing the algorithm for status, It's uh, otherwise you're going to have to look it up in, a, in an emergency, or at least know where, where it is. You know, is, we're, we're quite lucky here, we get guidelines on our phones, I think that's quite a useful thing, but mm. uh, probably worth having sort of quick access to that if you can. Um,
0: are there ALS guidelines? Is it part of the the Resource Council?
1: Do you know, I don't know. I don't think there are. I I remember when when I was a teaching fellow, like uh, trying to print out all the different guidelines. because mm. I used to do this as a as a as a session along with DKA and uh, and sepsis. And actually, the only good guideline, or the only sort of logical sort of algorithmic guidelines I could find out were the the nice guidelines we referred mm. to earlier. Um, and okay. so I'm sure I'm sure there are various different sort of local ones. First, mm. But I don't think ALS. Um, okay can write in and complain <laughs> if, if, and sack me as an ALS instructor if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they um, I don't think ALS has, has uh, guidelines on the, okay. this, or uh, an algorithm on this. Um, so yeah, uh, benzodiazepines first, so we said ideally ideally lorazepam, four milligrams. Uh, then the second one is also another benzodiazepine so that's after 10 minutes so we said prolonged seizures five minutes so that's probably when we should start getting the first dose and then 10 to 20 is what the nice guidelines say is when you should be thinking about giving your second dose of benzodiazepine Uh, again giving that sort of 10 15 minutes to work uh, then you should probably be thinking about getting your next level so we're still seizing we're probably at 20 minutes at this stage i imagine um then uh, it's phenytoin and mm. um, so the dose for that is fifteen milligrams per kilogram. Well, Nice I think it says fifteen to eighteen milligrams per kilogram. I think fifteen is a nice, easy number to remember. Uh, fifteen milligrams per minutes. I don't tend to worry too much about that. And nursing staff are very good generally at knowing sort of how quickly you can give medication. Uh, there are alternatives. Fosphenaton. Have you ever used that? Oh, I haven't used
0: fosphenaton. I've ever only used phenaton uh, myself. Mm-hmm. But um,
1: phenobarbital is another one that's uh, that's also listed as an alternative yeah generally I'm, I'm thinking phenytoin and if, trying to keep things simple let's remember lorazepam 10 minutes lorazepam 10 minutes f- loading 15 milligrams per kilogram of phenytoin
0: and then after that loading dose you have a maintenance dose of phenytoin as well don't you
1: absolutely yeah worth
0: as well. and of course that's the point well hopefully your patient is already on monitoring as well yeah. um but you know hopefully uh you know if, if we're a bit spoilt I think in most medicine they're in resource they've got that high level of care if this is patient is on a general ward you're speaking to your senior to get them onto a higher level of ward uh, for this to take place Great
1: subtle plug for emergency medicine there Jamie but you know we're, we're, we're the lucky ones where HDU care is only uh, around the corner at any, any moment uh,
0: And then yeah <laughs> I've got to try and get the people in somehow um, <laughs> You and the college <laughs> Absolutely um, And then I suppose it's uh, yeah and then you would be then onto the phone to the HDU uh, medical registrar to say we have yeah. this patient who has come in in status? They've required a phenytoin infusion. Yeah, they're going to need to come to yourselves at the at the very least. If, if not ITU, if if airway was a concern.
1: Absolutely, and I don't think you can ever go wrong with calling people too early. You know, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is the anesthetist will come down, um, and they'll have stopped season by the time they get there. I mean, you know, you can say hello, uh, catch up on on old times if you, if it's anesthetist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I don't think you can call for help too early. That's uh, that's always a good. Point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and you know remember there's you know you're, you're ten, 10 minutes between each of these interventions and um, so that's a good time you know so perhaps as you're, you're getting the phenytoin ready that's a good time to call the nieces, and say I'm getting the phenytoin ready but I've given two doses of benzodiazepines I'm starting phenytoin they're still seizing uh, it, you know I'd like you here so that if we do need to give a general anesthetic which is the next uh, next line down if phenytoin mm-hmm. doesn't work mm-hmm. is a, a GA
0: yeah, I've only ever seen that uh, once on a patient who is uh, seizing, who went through phenytoin and was still seizing and went yeah. on to GA, uh, general anaesthetic. Uh, and um, the doctor in question who, who got the anaesthetist down felt mm. a little bit guilty about it, thinking, well, I'm not really sure whether I should have bothered mm. the anaesthetists but was very relieved an anaesthetist was on hand. Mm. So I think, you know, um, it, like you said, I'd sooner have them there and not need them than... Not need them and not have them.
1: I mean, I can assure you I, I hate calling people. It's probably <laughs> the thing I like least about emergency mental is the fact you have to sort of uh, <laughs> do so much talking and calling to mm. other specialists but um, you know the more senior I get, the more it's my experience that specialists like to be consulted. they like to mm. to be asked about uh, their their area of expertise and and even if they don't want to be lost if they're sort of slightly mean to you down the phone you know, I think uh, I think there's worse things in life and, uh, and yes. you don't. People early. You
0: can't go wrong. Well, I think you know you you might uh, find a specialist is slightly irritated to be asked a question that didn't need to be asked. But I can assure you, there will be a lot more annoyed if it's a question that should have been asked an hour ago, yeah. uh, and things have got worse. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, we've we've talked really about the, the management so far of, of seizures and the history taking and so forth. I suppose, you know, just the last question, I suppose, Stephen, is is when we need to involve our uh, radiology colleagues uh, and, and get a, a CT head. Sure. Um, so, you know, what sort of things would, would push you towards wanting to get one of those?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I couldn't find any specific guidance on this. Um, mm you know other than just that it's something to be considered mm. um, one thing that I did find was that generally MRI is preferred by neurologists when they are doing sort of investigations for, for epilepsy and they're trying to diagnose epilepsy um, so it's not to say that everyone who's mm. got a, a first fit needs a CT head um, I we to t- talk you know, I'd th- I go back to my earlier answer about uh, about thinking of those underlying causes, remembering that 30% of, of seizures have an underlying cause that we can, we can try and find in, in acute or emergency medicine. Um, so trauma, we said, nice guidelines for CT head after after a head injury. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, a seizure gets you a CT head within an hour. Um, so that's, uh, that's a quite an easy one. Um, I think anyone that's had or is having multiple seizures you know still fitting and um, possibly even needed to infusion then I have a fairly low threshold for, for getting a CT head on them mm. Um, if I've got any reason to suspect neoplasia so perhaps if they've had previous cancer if they've got active cancer if they've uh, if they've had a lot of weight loss that's been unexplained then I might think about a CT head then Um, if I think from the history that they've had a possibility of a subarachnoid haemorrhage, or, or possibly meningitis. Perhaps because they've got fever and photophobia, or mm-hmm. there's a sudden onset occipital headache. Then, then I get them a CT. Um, but if you know the, the patient you described earlier, one fit good history and examin, uh, good history of a seizure. Perhaps even video footage of that that convinces me it's a seizure. Done all the, Done all the investigations we mentioned: the BBG, the full blood count, yeah. the, the electrolytes, the ECG. No obvious cause found for it. Nothing in the history is worrying me. Then I'm not going to get um, a CT head. I'm going to, I'm going to perhaps quickly run it past the neurologist, particularly mm-hmm. in the daytime, and uh, and cook them the first. Fit mm.
0: I think it's important that uh, you know CT head is an amazing uh, tool and it's fantastic, and you know we're very lucky here to have such ready access to it. But it does have its limitations. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know in in the an emergency department and in an acute medical department, it's only really relevant if you can find. Uh, a neurosurgically relevant pathology i.e. Yeah. a space occupying lesion i.e. Yeah. a bleed you know that that can be make or break you can intervene here and now and so uh, to
1: say we're back to history again yeah where, you know the, the worthy doctor that goes it's all 90 percent of medicine and diagnosis <laughs> in history and much as i hate them they're completely right <laughs>
0: i think um yeah i mean i I think I've been speaking to a, a neurologist about this, uh, who you know, told me that um, you know, epilepsy, a bit like asthma, is a condition that tends to present younger in life, mm-hmm. and you know, you, the same as diabetes type one. You know, it's a young yeah. person's thing that you go on through with life. Yeah. Be more suspicious of those people later in life. You know, yeah. thirty plus. You know, forty, fifty, and then and until the elderly yeah. who've never had a seizure before who present as a seizure be more, consi- you know, could there be a, a space-occupying lesion, a tumour here. Yeah. Um, they, the, A lot of the literature you read, especially with when it comes to tumours, mentions focal seizures more than a generalised seizure, mm-hmm. um, but, um, you know, can then lead on to a generalised seizure, but uh, a neurologist once spoke to me, you know, sometimes that progression can be so quick the patient doesn't notice that the hand was jerking a bit before they then went into a full-blown tonic-clonic, so, you know. Yeah test to have that threshold
1: you know thinking about the f1 on the, on the day one or you know if you're a fifth year and you're sort of this is going to be you in in uh, just over a year's time then um often those th- you know the ct head decision probably is is something to discuss with your senior and i'm mm. sure most seniors would be very happy to, to sort of you say well I've, I've got this guy here's my history of the seizure here's uh, here's the initial tests i've done uh i the only thing that concerns me slightly is that he had a head injury a couple of days ago. Well, mm-hmm. I'm a bit worried because actually he's, um, he's still got a bit of a headache now and some photophobia. You know, sh- should I get a CT head? I mean, I think we're always very happy to sort of to take those mm-hmm. kind of discussions and those kind of referrals. Um, so, yeah, so get that clear history. That's what we want from you. Get those mm-hmm. initial investigations. Chat it over with us. Call a neurologist.
0: Yeah. And if the neurologists say, you no, know, we'll see him in clinic, we'll get an MRI head, yeah. we'll get an EEG as well, yeah. and the and, um, jobs are good. And so I suppose if in doubt, ask a senior and ask Maybe. a specialist. I think that seems to be a common theme in all these podcasts. <laughs> yeah.
1: EEG was an uh, interesting one I was doing, but not something I'm, I'm hugely familiar with. Obviously, we don't tend to get emergency EEGs. But mm-hmm. uh, we were looking, back, looking through some of the literature and generally they try and uh, their the evidences, I mean, that they're quite useful in confirming that it was a seizure I and mean, they're quite useful in um, telling you perhaps what type of seizure, but actually you can't use an EEG on its own to diagnose seizures or to, to make that diagnosis of epilepsy, so EEG, not all that's cracked up to be an actually history. Again, coming back to it, <laughs> history is, is the thing. Uh, and also the, the nice guidelines are unless a specialist says so, um, the EEG for after the second seizure rather than after your first fit, mm. um, which uh, I, found, I thought was a mm. useful thing.
0: And and uh, what I also found uh, quite interesting was that uh, patients can uh, present with seizures that show epileptiform and non-epileptiform activity, so you can have a, a mixed picture of seizures as well, just as as if it wasn't difficult enough. <laughs> that was the Take Orally Seizure podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, where we'll put up links to guidelines mentioned, and you can contact us to suggest topics you would like to see covered in future episodes more information on education and research opportunities within emergency medicine acute medicine and major trauma you can find NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.